Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. Well, last couple weeks we've been talking about faith, right? Uh, Last week um, we talked about the gap in between when God promises something and the fulfillment of the promise. And as we talked about last week, that oftentimes what we really wish would happen is there would be like promise fulfillment, right? You'd, be, you'd go promise fulfillment, it would be immediate. But how many of you realize it's more like this? It's more like promise, circles, fulfillment, right? It's more, it's more like that. There's a journey, and we looked last week at so many different stories throughout the Bible. We looked at Lazarus. Uh, who was promised that he would live and not die. And in that very same time, what happened? He died. <laughs> he was promised he would live and not die, but then he died. You've got, um, we, we looked at the story of Joseph who had dreams that he was going to be a ruler and that his brothers and sisters and, and his mom and dad even in country was going to bow down to him. And then what happened immediately after he got the promise? He got sold into slavery. We looked at the life of Abraham, right? Abraham who was promised to be a father of many nations, that he was going to be a father of many nations. One problem, his wife was barren, and he was 70 years old. 70 years old. He got multiple times where he was given the promise, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to be a father of many nations. He was 99 years old, and God comes to him and says, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. 99 years old. Listen, when he has the baby, him and the baby are going to be just alike, right? They're both going to need, they're going, neither of them are going to have teeth, and they're both going to need diapers, right? But listen, you're going to be a father at 100 stinking years old, right? What did they all have in common? All of their journeys, there was a gap. There was this gap in between when the promise was given and when the promise was fulfilled. And every one of them had moments, several moments, when the opposite of the promise was taking place when it seemed like it went completely the opposite direction but every single one of them God remained faithful to his promise and he and they all all of them every every one of those stories every one of them received the promise but there was that space right there's that place in between all of us have been in that space all of us have felt that gap and as as you all know that gap is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult because it's hard to have faith when Lazarus dies. It's hard to have faith when the reports are saying otherwise. It's hard to have faith when there's no money in the bank account. It's hard to have faith when we're not seeing any movement forward, but God still said, this is what's going to happen, right? So the question then becomes, what do you do in the gap? How do you remain in faith when you're between the promise and the fulfillment. And I, and I, I know today, I, I sat down, I made a list of things, and I was going to go through each point, but then the first point just took the whole time. So unless you guys want to stay here for three hours today, I'm going to give you a point at a time, a point a week. So, um, so what do you do in the gap? What do you do in the gap? First of all, we have to learn something before we get to that point. First of all, we have to learn something about God. What did we learn a couple weeks before when we started this whole faith thing? We learned that he is trustworthy, dependable, and certain, right? Isaiah 55, let's look at that real quick. Isaiah 55, 
verse 10 through 11. It says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. That no word that comes from his mouth returns to him void. It accomplishes everything that, it's, that he set out to accomplish every single time. That even as the rain waters the earth and does not return back into the clouds unless, you know, after it waters the earth. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But what it's saying is it does not return to him void. It accomplishes everything that it's meant to accomplish. So your promise, when he speaks a promise to you, it will happen because his word does not return void. It does not return void. Amen? So if there's a gap between the promise and the fulfillment, the question becomes, what do we do in the gap? How do we keep faith strong when the odds are stacked against the promise? How do we keep the faith when the odds are stacked against the promise? So here's, here's what I believe the fir- one of the first steps is. The first step is that we need to do everything we can to make the word and the promise clear. Make every effort to make the word and the promise clear. Pray and ask God for clarity. Ask for confirmation. Search the scriptures and learn his perfect will. Make the word clear. And then here's the key. Then don't settle for anything less than what he said. Don't settle for anything less than what he said. Make the promise clear. And I believe God will confirm over and over again his promise to you that if you seek, you will find. That if you ask for him to confirm his word, he will confirm his word. So make the word clear. Make sure you understand everything that he's saying to you. And then when you do, when you have a grasp on that, don't ever settle for anything less than what he said. Don't settle for anything less than what he said. Amen? Amen. You're all quiet this morning. I'm going to need a little more interaction. Amen? There we go. All right. So let's look at this in Scripture. So John chapter 11, verse 20 through 22. We're going to look at the story again of Lazarus being raised from the dead. So Lazarus, um, let me give a little context to the Scripture. So, So Lazarus gets sick, right? Lazarus, which is Mary and Martha's brother, gets sick. Jesus is in another part of the country. And so some of the people that know Lazarus go and find Jesus and they tell him Lazarus is sick and Lazarus is not doing well. And Jesus um, does what any good friend does and he says, okay, thank you for letting me know. And then he stays there for the next several days, right? So he learns of Lazarus' sickness and then he stays put. And then he looks at, he looks at his disciples and he tells them that this sickness will not be unto death. This sickness will not be unto death. So there it is, there's the promise. This sickness will not be unto death. Then Lazarus dies. So we've already covered this. Lazarus dies, opposite of what the promise was. A few days later, Jesus decides to go to town, decides to go to Bethany. As he's entering into the the city, uh, someone tells Martha that Jesus is coming. So what does Martha do? She gets up and she runs to Jesus. And that's where we're at right here with with this verse. So Jesus runs to meet Jesus. And it says, now Martha... As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. 
Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. But even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Even now. That's an important phrase in this verse. Even now. Even though Lazarus is dead and has been for four days, even though he is in the tomb with the stone rolled over it, even though everyone else has given up hope completely and all hope is lost, Martha says, even now, whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. That's what faith looks like in the gap. That even though all hope is lost, God, whatever you ask of God, it'll be given to you. Even though the divorce papers are on their way, even now, whatever you ask God, it can be given to you. Even though the the test results came back positive, even now, God, even though it looks completely opposite of what the promise is, even now, whatever you ask, it can be given to you. Even if the bank account is empty and I haven't been able to get a job for the last several months, even now, whatever you ask, God, you can do it. That's what faith looks like in the gap, that you know the promise and that even in the midst of Lazarus being dead for four days, four days he was dead, even now, whatever you ask, even though it's impossible, whatever you want to do, you can do it. That's what it looks like to not settle. Amen? Even now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. What is the evidence? It's not the stuff that's in front of you. It doesn't say that the evidence is that Lazarus has, still has a few breaths in him. The, the evidence isn't, isn't, um, isn't you know, the, the marriage counseling going better. The evidence isn't seen in those things. The evidence is faith in the one who is dependable and who is trustworthy. And all the evidence we need is to know that it came from his mouth. And that's all the evidence we know to pull out of the realm of the unseen. Faith in him is all we need to be as certain of what the prom- that the promise is going to be fulfilled. Your promise is all that I need to prove what is still unseen because even now, when things are hopeless, you can do anything that you desire. Amen? The next verse tells us what this even now kind of faith does. Jesus says in verse 23, we're back on the story of Lazarus. Says that Jesus said, Your brother will rise again. That this even now faith, that even though he's been dead for four days, even now, because you had faith to believe it, your brother will rise again. Now, it's important here to note something that Martha's faith was not perfect faith. Okay? She had a faith that said, even now, even though he's dead, you can raise him from the dead. But you've got to understand, Martha's faith wasn't perfect because after Jesus said, your brother will rise again, look at what she says next. She said, she said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know that he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. So her faith went from you can do anything to 
her understanding of the scripture was that on the last day he will rise again. So it won't be now, but the last day, my understanding of the scriptures is that the last day he's going to rise again. And then later on, uh, when Jesus is standing before the tomb and Jesus tells them to roll away the stone, what does Martha say? Martha says, I, I think it's up there, verse, uh, I think it's uh, verse 39. She says, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Right? So, Jesus, I don't know if it's a good idea to open the tomb because he stinketh, right? He's, he's, he's rotting. He's disgusting. I, I, as much as I love my brother, I don't know if it's a good idea to roll away the tomb because he's dead, Jesus. So, as you can see, Martha's faith wasn't perfect. Martha's faith wasn't perfect, but God is not looking for perfect faith. God is looking for even now moments, even now kind of faith. You know, what, it, what does it say? It says that, that, that faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. Faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. That we are still learning this faith thing. We are still trying to gain traction that nobody in this room, nobody I don't believe even in this world has perfect faith. So he's not requiring you to never waver. He's not requiring you to never question or to never uh, fall back into doubt. He's never requiring any of that. What he's asking of you is to have the momentum to have those moments of even now kind of faith. Those moments where you look at him and you, and what does it say that when we look into the eyes of Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, that when we have doubts, we look not at the circumstances around us, but we put our eyes back on him and to the one who perfects our faith. Amen. So he's not asking for us to be perfect. Martha wasn't perfect. She had a moment where she said, God, I believe even in this moment, you can do whatever you want. And then immediately goes back to, I don't know, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. It's okay if you aren't perfect in your faith. He's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to pursue him, to put our eyes on him and have those moments and have, those, have that, that, that journey towards even now kind of faith. Amen? It's not, it, imperfect faith is okay. But listen, imperfect faith, imperfect even now faith unlocked Lazarus's tomb. Imperfect even now faith unlocked Lazarus's tomb. She had questions, she had doubts, but she also had this belief that whatever he asks, he can do it. And because of that mustard seed even now faith, Lazarus's tomb was unlocked. Amen? Don't be afraid. And this goes along with all of this, this imperfect faith. Don't be afraid to ask God questions. When you're in the middle of the journey, when you're in the middle of or in between the promise and the fulfillment, don't be afraid to ask God questions. Jesus himself did this. You remember Jesus hanging on the cross. What is what is one of the famous sayings of Jesus on the cross? One of the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself wasn't afraid to ask God questions in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the tribulation, in the middle of hanging on the cross. Jesus asked God, 
why have you forsaken me? He felt the Father forsake him, and he asked, why have you forsaken me? Don't be afraid to ask God questions. I don't believe he's intimidated by our questions. I don't believe he's intimidated by us asking, God, you promised that the cancer would be gone, and it hasn't left. Why? I don't think he's afraid of us asking, God, why are why is our marriage still falling apart? Why have you not intervened? He's not intimidated by the questions. In fact, I believe that he loves when we come to him for questions with our questions because he's happy we're coming to him with our questions. We're not going to somebody else, a friend. We're not even going to the pastor. We're going to our Father in heaven. We're saying, God, why? I don't understand this. I don't, I don't get why this is still happening. I, I've heard your promise. I know what it is. I've had faith. Why isn't this not happening? I don't believe he's intimidated by that. I believe that he loves when we come and ask him questions. That when it's done, in, and, and here's the key, I believe. When it's done not in a rebellious attitude, but it's done in a genuine, um, a, a genuine love and trust for him and in him, I don't think he gets intimidated by those questions. And I believe that we can ask him whatever we want and that I believe even, even in those moments of questioning, in those moments of doubt, if we are pursuing him, if we are, our eyes are on him and we are working towards our faith, I believe he's going to confirm his promise over and over and over again. Amen? Listen, faith, <laughs> faith, genuine faith does not look like a fake smile, and a heartless God is good. Have you ever met those people that they have no money in their bank account, their marriage is falling apart, their kids are monsters, and their dog died, and they're walking down the hall like, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, life stinks sometimes, right? Life is horrible. It's unbearable sometimes. And faith isn't putting on a fake smile and acting like everything's okay. It's okay for your world not to be okay. And it's okay for you to act like your world's not okay. God's not asking us to be fake. He's not asking us to put on a, a, a mask uh, that hides all of the issues and the problems that we have. It's okay to not be okay, right? That's not genuine faith. Genuine faith is not putting on a fake smile and a heartless hallelujah, God is good. That genuine faith, listen, genuine faith is, I'm sorry, I lost it in my notes. Faith does not ignore the situation and act like everything is awesome when it's not. Faith says that even though things are horrible right now, I still choose to cling on to his word because he is faithful. Listen, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Martha, Mary, and the whole congregation have been crying their eyes out for four days. They know Jesus. Listen, they even said this. They know Jesus could have healed Lazarus, and he didn't show up. And they were asking Jesus, Jesus, where were you? I thought you loved Lazarus. I thought you cared for him. We gave you plenty of time. We told you four or five days ago that he was sick and you stayed where you were. I know you could have healed him. I don't understand why. Lazarus is dead. It's, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask questions as long as we get to a point where we can say, even now in this situation, 
That's genuine faith. Not putting on a smile when there's, there's no reason to smile. Not being fake when there's the world around you is crumbling. Genuine faith that says, even in the middle of my world crumbling around me, even now, Jesus can intervene and he can change this whole situation. That's what faith looks like. It's clinging to faith in who he is. Amen? It's one thing to call things that are not seen as though they are. We all know this scripture, right? It's one thing to call those that are not as though they are. It's Romans 4, chapter 17. It's another thing to pretend life isn't hard and call it faith. You know, we're supposed to call things that are not as though they are, but we're, we're not supposed to live a fake life either. So faith doesn't ignore the reality of a situation. Faith just says that even now the one the one who can make something from nothing is for me. Let's look actually a little deeper at that passage in Romans chapter 4. So Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. How many, of you, how many of you have heard that scripture? Call things that are not as though they've seen. How many have used that scripture? Call things that are not as though they are. Let's look deeper at what that scripture is saying. So Romans 4, 17. It says, as it is written... I have made you a father of many nations. This is talking about Abraham and Abraham's faith. It says, in the presence of him, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So here's an important thing here. The context of this verse is not us necessarily calling things that are not as though they are. They're saying our faith is the one, is in the one who does call things that are not as though they are our faith is in the one who when the world didn't exist and it was nothing and empty he spoke a word from his mouth and caused the entire universe to be born that the one who can cause an entire universe to be born out of nothing who calls nothing or calls something from nothing that's the one we're placing our faith in and this is what the verse is saying is that's the one who abraham placed his faith in then go go on to the next verse says who talking again about Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he may become the father of many nations. So again, what was the promise to Abraham? That he would have a child, right? And that he'd be the father of many nations. So, so contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he may become the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Next verse. And did not being weak in faith, or and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. He was 70 years old. He was 99 when God told him that this time next year, you're going to have a son. His body was dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, right? We've talked about this several times that she not only was old, she was barren. She was unable to have kids even when she was young and of age to have kids. She was not able to have kids. So even though all of that was stacked against him, it says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully convinced that he had promised, or fully convinced what he had promised, he was also able to perform it. So Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to perform the promise even though he was 99 years old. Verse 22. 
Do I have verse 22? All right, let me go up here. So he never stopped believing the promise. He never stopped believing God's promise, for he was made... Okay, wait, let me go back. So in spite of being nearly 100 years old, when the promise of having a son was made, his father was so strong that it could not be, under, that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. He never stopped believing God's promise, for he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promise, Abraham glorified God. So let me point out a couple, verse, a couple of sayings here. Verse 18, against all odds when it looked hopeless, his faith was strong, so strong that it could not be undermined. His faith was so strong that it could not be undermined. Though all the odds were stacked against Abraham, he was convinced that God, the God who promised it, was faithful to complete the promise. That even though his body was dead and even though Sarah was barren, God was able to, to complete the promise that was given to him. Even though all the odds were stacked against him, his faith would not be undermined. Amen? This is what it looks like. So again, Step one in the gap. Learn what the promise is. Make it clear. What has he spoken to you? What has he spoken to you? Listen, he is speaking to you. He's always speaking to us, and he's wanting to speak to us. We have to be willing to listen, amen? We have to be seeking after him. So if you haven't, if you haven't heard from him, then go to the secret place and find the one who lives in the secret place and seek after what he says about your situation. He does have a promise for you. He does have a word for your situation. But oftentimes we're too busy and too distracted by the circumstances around us to know what that is. So step one, learn what he is saying. Find what the promise is. Make it clear. Go to the scripture. Find out what his perfect will is. Ask him to confirm it. And when you have a clear understanding of his promise, do not settle for anything less than that. Do not settle for anything less than that. Don't get to the river or the banks of the Jordan River and decide that the land on this side of the Jordan River is good enough. That he's promised us the land of Canaan on the other side of the Jordan, but I'm going to stay on this side because this land's good enough. And it's easy over here, and, and everything is, is fairly good. It's okay. I'm going to settle for this land and not cross the Jordan. Don't settle for less than what he has promised you. Abraham, again, was 99 years old, almost, he was dead in his body. But he did not settle for anything less. He did not settle even for the Ishmael, the mistake. Remember, your faith doesn't have to be perfect. He did not settle for the Ishmael. He said, he, he said that God is still able to accomplish everything he accomplished. And he promised me a son through my wife, Sarah, that would be, lead us into me being the father of many nations. And I'm not going to settle for anything less than that. So make the promise clear and then never settle. Amen? Faith looks like this. What do we do in the gap? Faith looks like this. When all the odds are stacked up against us, you and everything are stacked up against you and everything looks hopeless, you put your trust in him that, and that cannot be undermined. It means when you have a clear word from him, you never, ever settle for anything less than what he has said. You never settle for anything less than what he has said.
Amen. I'm going to close just with this question. What is your promise? What is your promise? What are you believing for? What is the one thing that God has told you that it looks absolutely impossible, but you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he spoke it? What is that one thing? I want you to think of that even now. Let's uh, just go ahead and close your eyes with me. What is that one thing God has promised? Go ahead and get it in your mind right now. And if you don't have that promise, then uh, maybe you can look at the corporate promises of this church, which, which are that, that we would be a, a church that is cancer-free, that, that miracles would begin to take place in this building. Maybe it's the promise that, that we are going to begin influencing cities around us, that heaven is going to invade earth in our cities, and that cities like Elwood and Fairmount and those around us would, be, would look like heaven, uh, heaven on earth that poverty would leave, that, that, um, that sickness would leave, that drugs would leave, that all of those things would leave our cities. What is the promise God has for you right now, personally and corporately? Get that in your head. And now once you have that promise, don't ever settle for anything less than that because he is faithful to complete everything he has promised us. He is faithful to complete it. His word does not return void. I encourage you that whatever that promise is, if you haven't done so, write it down somewhere. Put it in front of your eyes every day so that you will be reminded of what that promise is. And so, and so keep that promise in your mind. I just, I just want to pray over you right now. Jesus, God, I pray this morning for a renewed, um, a renewed enthusiasm to believe your promise, Lord. God, I pray for a renewed uh, just grace to believe your promise. God, that you would rise up in every one of us right now a faith that says, even though Lazarus is dead, even though the odds are all stacked up against us, even now I believe you can do whatever you want to do, that you are the God who speaks something from nothing. God, and though it looks like there's nothing in front of me right now, I believe that you're the God who created our universe from nothing. And if you can create the universe from nothing, God, you can intervene in this situation. God, and you are faithful to complete your promise. God, that just as Abraham believed, Lord, just as, as Martha believed, just as Joseph believed, God, all of these pioneers of our faith, Lord, God, even as they believed without wavering, Jesus, God, I pray for that kind of faith to be stirred in each and every one of our hearts this morning, Lord. God, that when we walk out of this building this morning, we walk out with a renewed a sense of faith, a renewed strength in our faith to believe you are able to accomplish everything that you have said, Jesus. God, I pray for grace in the gap, Father. Grace in the gap. We love you so much, Lord. We're so grateful that you are faithful, God, that you can be counted on, you can be trusted. We honor you this morning, Jesus. In Jesus' name.